lost my train of thought there. Um, you don't know much about insurance yeah, until, you, until you grew up yeah. and became a, a big boy and worked here. Yeah, yeah but they... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like The Great Independent Podcast, powered by Pacific Crest Insurance, where independent insurance agents and industry leaders talk about the highs and lows of starting and running a successful agency. Learn the common trends and struggles of independent insurance agents. Go to PacificCrestInsurance.com for more on how to be a successful independent insurance agent. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Great Independent Podcast, powered by Pacific Crest Insurance. This week is our third week of the Traveler Series this month that we're bringing to you guys to uh, just give you a little bit more insight from Traveler's perspective. And we're here with Josh Lowry, the sales executive for Pacific Crest Insurance. Um, and he covers uh, pretty much all of the territories that Pacific Crest is in, um, including uh, here in the Northwest. So uh, this week we wanted to touch on some of the trends that are happening right now in the, in, uh, the industry. Um, you know, stuff like why are uh, auto rates going up? Um, how are those effective? And um, kind of what does that mean for, uh, you know, not only independent agents, but the consumer as well. Um, so he's gonna break some of those statistics down and some of that reasoning down, um, and hopefully everybody gets a little bit better of an idea, um, kind of uh, you know what's happening, why it's happening, and and uh, maybe you know what we can look forward to um, in the industry here um, in the near future. So welcome, Josh. Thanks for coming back. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. Yeah. So. Um, you know, as we kind of talk about some of these um, these trends that are happening, um, you know, what's what's maybe the the biggest thing that you guys see from travelers' perspective, and um, you know, how or I guess what does that mean to some independent agents out there that you're talking to? Yeah, I think some of the questions we've got from independent agents and, and agents across the country this year, especially, is they see a lot of rate coming in the market on the auto insurance side of things. And it's disrupting customers. It's disrupting their flow of their business and customers are asking about why their rates are going up. So I'd like to I'd like to back up a little further um, and maybe give an overall picture of what the auto insurance industry looks like. From a national level, all carriers, all channels kind of perspective, maybe that'll help put things in perspective for people that maybe haven't thought that through um, or defined that for them. So I'll back up to 2009 the industry saw a trend spike up uh, what we call a combined ratio. Combined ratio means simply the expenses of doing business, so the expenses that travelers, for instance, has, um, the cost of us setting out a policy with a customer and writing a policy, all those things, uh, plus the losses that we incurred uh, for the year, and divide that by the amount of premium we collected. It's a very simple ratio. Anything below 100%, you're making money. Anything above 100%, you're losing money. And so the industry as a whole, in 2009, we saw a spike up to 101% combined ratio. What that means is, is that for every dollar of premium collected, we lost, the industry lost a penny uh, for, uh, lost a penny that year, right? Uh, for every dollar of premium collected. Not a huge deal until that becomes a trend over time. 
what we've seen since 2009, and here it is 2017, is that over the last eight years, that trend has stayed above 100% that entire time. Uh, for the first time in a long time that that's happened. Um, and especially leading up to 2009, the auto industry was actually, auto insurance industry, I should say, it's very profitable leading up to 2009. And here we see in the last couple of years, an even bigger spike out. So in 2015, we saw a 104.6% combined ratio, which is, so basically the industry lost four and a half cents on every dollar print collected. 2016, uh, and this is where Agents started asking questions and, and getting alarmed is that 2016 the industry was a 107, okay, so seven cents of a dollar. Um, and in 2017, we're looking at down the road, and the industry is widely expecting to run a 107 again. Wow. So, so there, there's some rate need <laughs> out there in the, in the marketplace, and so that's what you're seeing from a from a from a, uh, from a national picture. And um, you know, captives got hit. Uh, independent channel carriers were, were hit hard. Even the directs were hit hard. So it was a bit of a surprise. Yeah, it just affected the whole entire industry. And so, and of course, some carriers, you know, are in better shape than others. Um, so some carriers are just fine. Some other some carriers are in really bad shape. So when the average is 107, there's some carriers out there that, that have a 120 <laughs> right. or worse. You know, and some carriers are probably less than 100. Um, I don't know who those are, but but most carriers are 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 in the situation of. They're either at 100 combined ratio or worse um, moving here into 2017, which is why you're seeing a lot of pain in the marketplace. So what are some of the reasons that, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing this this spike or this, uh, not even, I guess it's a little bit of a spike, but it's yeah. kind of a, a constant um, trend up um, in that number now. What, what are What's happening with drivers and what's happening with the insurance industry? To, yeah, a, this is a good time to dig in a few of those statistics. And I think, well, not I think, I know the, the reason why some of the things have happened since 2009, as the economy's recovered a little bit since the crash in 2008, 2009, people have bought more cars. Um, they were driving more miles. Uh, as employment rates have gone down, people are, are investing and buying more cars. And there's a little thing called distracted driving. Maybe you've heard of that. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, or it's, or it's, seen it happening. Like or seen every, it happening. Every time you drive. Absolutely. When you're driving down the, down the road and you look, look out your side window and you see three out of four people on their cell phones while they're sitting in traffic, it's a little scary, right? So something like, you know, there's a statistic out there, something like 87% of people admit to some sort of risky behavior on their cell phone or in their car while they're driving. So 87% admit that they they, they exhibit uh, risky behavior while driving. So that's that's a little scary, isn't it? Yeah. And we can all attest to that. We're probably all guilty of it. We're probably at some level or not. Um, you know, uh, the other part of it is is that you know there's been 17 and a half million new cars sold in 2015. All right, that's the most that's ever been sold in a, in a, for new cars. So you think about that, what do new cars cost these days, you know, with all the technology in them? We, we now have sensors and cameras and mirrors and bumpers. We have windshields that are, you know, $2,000 windshields because they've got technology embedded in the windshield. So when those things add up, along with distracted driving uh, and along with medical costs increasing, uh, it, it's a perfect storm of there's a big need for rate in the marketplace. Uh, so that's, that's what's putting pressure on the market for the auto anyway. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess all that makes quite a bit of sense, right? Um, I, you know, we, we hear quite a few calls in the office here um, with people, um, you know, that get frustrated, obviously, when um, their rates go up and, um, you know, it's, 
that's the kind of the explanation that um, some of our agents, you know, have to give them. Um, and it's, you know, it's unfortunate for those that, you know, maybe that 13% that isn't, um, uh, you know, distracted with their driving um, or, you know, has, has an older car. But um, unfortunately, everybody kind of takes the hit for, yeah, well, for everyone that's else. That's what insurance is, right? That's, yeah. the, that's the whole, that's why insurance exists. So we all put our money in this pool and pay losses out of that pool. That's the general idea is that you share risk across, you know, many, many people and you don't get hit with a $40,000 personal loss on something, whereas you can, you know, pay a premium to offset and transfer that risk. That's what insurance is about. So when the overall cost of doing that, of doing business or that pool goes up, everyone has to pay more. That's just what it is. That's how it works. <laughs> so, right. Uh, make up for, for and that's, that's definitely one of the, the, you know, the one side of the big picture, right? I mean, the big picture is, is there's more than just claims, right? I mean, yeah. you've got claims that obviously is the, the thing that everybody kind of thinks about that drives the, the rate. But like you said, I mean, it's, it's a combined ratio, a cost of doing business. Claims is part of the cost of doing business, obviously, mm -hmm. the outflow of, of cash, that's part of it. But the other outflow of cash is, you know, what does it cost to put agents on the ground? What does it cost to um, operate as a company? And like you said, in the downturn of the, the economy, you started to see the trends start to slip a little bit because the cost of doing business started to go up, mm -hmm. right? And so now that the trends are kind of shifting a little bit, you, we might even predict a little bit that auto rates might actually start to kind of flatten a little bit because the cost of operating might actually kind of plateau, so to speak, because our market is starting to change a little. Um, the economy is anyways. Yes. Uh, the, also, the other thing to think about is, is just overall, you know, what these companies really do um, to try and stay profitable, right? I mean, they're just like anybody. They're going to invest their dollars, right? And, and insurance companies invest their, their dollars. And because the markets have been really pretty sour over the years up until now, you know, they haven't had a whole lot of profit there to work with. Yeah. What you're talking about there is what we do with the premium once we collect Yeah, that's it, right. right. I mean, we've only, only a certain amount of the premium goes out to expenses and claims. What do we do with the other amount that's of premium right. that we haven't spent on claims or expenses, right? Yep. And that's that's called float or that's called investment. Yep. We, we basically take those dollars and invest it in the marketplace. Well, what investments most insurance companies invest in are not the stock market or they're not the right. housing market. It's bonds. bonds. It's really safe stuff, right? It's stuff that's got... Yields a very little, little, very little profit margin very in there. Safe. Yeah. Very safe, uh, very low risk investment. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. And most people don't see that. They don't right. understand. I talk to hundreds and hundreds of agents around the country and they don't realize it when I bring that to light and they're like, wow. I had no idea that those yeah. companies did that with the extra premium dollars that they had to invest, and so they can start to see where the the trends in the in the overall marketplace, so to speak, um, could really shift their premium dollars. Right? Yeah, if you think about the federal interest rate, when that's been at zero or a quarter yep. point for a long time, Absolutely. ten years plus now. So think about that, how that affects long-term investments for insurance companies or companies, you know, that are they're investing in those kind of dollars in those kind of markets. Well, there's no yield there. If there's no yield, then we're forced to make an underwriting profit. Yep. Okay. An underwriting profit just simply means you underwrote the business well enough, you charged the right premium, and you didn't pay out as many claims as you did in collecting premium. So that's an underwriting profit. Well, right. 15, 20 years ago, you could run a 101, a 102, a 103 combined ratio and still make money as a, as a carrier right. because investment income offset that's the right. loss. Yep. 
Well, that hasn't been the case here in the last 10 years. So yep. uh, putting additional pressure on the combined ratios right, you in got the situation it. of making it profitable. So thank you for bringing that up. It's, it's a really important piece that, you know, maybe, you know, the average consumer doesn't know, but as an agent, that's a good idea to keep in the back of your mind to help you explain these things. Well, if I'm an agent trying to look at the big picture, I want to take a look at the profitability of the carrier. I want the carrier to be profitable because, yeah. you know, everybody needs to be making money. If they're not profitable, then they won't be here tomorrow. And so if you've got, well, back up just a little bit, right? I mean, we see agents a lot of times that will pigeonhole all their business with carriers that are really aggressively priced, doing what we consider to be buying the market, right? But not really, not really thinking about the big picture and what they're really risking. So like, for instance, Travelers, um, Travelers has not always been the most competitively priced product in every single state that we're in. However, they've always been in those states and they will continue to always be in those states most likely because they're the steady eddy, because they've been very smart about their investments, they've been very smart about making sure that they stay profitable. Um, so as an agent, if you want to stay more profitable, you're probably better off staying with a top tier carrier like Travelers and keeping your client there and living through the fluctuations of a spike of maybe 5% or 10% increase in rates. You know, those kind of things are, are livable as long as you look at the big picture. Right, and to be able to explain that to your customer too is important. I think that's huge. That's why we're having this discussion today to give agents a few talking points around you know, why is it important to stay with the carrier with, like travelers, for instance? Right. Because, you know, over the long haul, they're going to be the most stable, they're going to be the most, you know, uh, conscientious around making sure the market is still available, right? So you mentioned a couple of carriers that may be coming in underpriced and then all of a sudden wake up tomorrow with a big rate need and they're making decisions on do we stay in the market or not? Or, than, or yeah, just non, <laughs> non renewing the policies, right? right? I mean, yeah. now all of a sudden you're left with you know, a large book of business that you've pigeonholed into the most cost efficient carrier just because you thought that cost was everything. And now you're forced to remarket those into a more expensive market. Right. Yeah. What do you think your clients are probably going to do? They're probably not going to stay with you because they bought on price. So they're going to leave you on price. Right. Right. Very important to explain the benefits um, and why why you're doing business with a certain carrier and mm -hmm. what, what the benefits are other than price. You know, we say a lot of times that uh, Travelers, one of my favorite people, um, um, Jeff Graham and, and Dan King, they always talk about, you know, price is only a factor in the absence of value. So <laughs> when you right. when you start stop delivering value and start delivering price, then price is, price is king, right? So yep. you've got to deliver value first as an agent. Um, that might be a whole other topic. <laughs> right. And so I know we're kind of getting off topic a little bit, but I think it's important to at least shed a little bit of light on the reason why you would continue to do business with a company like Travelers, even during these times where the, the, the market might be shifting a little bit, where the rates are increasing, because you're right, it is nationwide and it's not just a Travelers type of thing. Right. And it's very regional, right? I mean, it definitely depends on the region, it depends on a lot of other variables, but um, that is a shift upwards in the overall auto market. Yeah, yeah, I think it's important to bring up and this is where we where we demonstrate our value as an independent agent during times like these, where a, a captive can't bring much value there. Maybe they they have one product to sell. That's it. You know. So we have a little bit of a luxury. To, we have multiple lines, multiple carriers, those kind of things. We don't want to move customers. We don't have to. 
but this is where we add value as an agent. We explain what's going on in the marketplace. We explain, you know, what's going on with the background and, and, and why these things, why costs are going up and what's affecting the marketplace. But we can also do a coverage review. Take a look at their account. Make sure they have all the discounts. Make sure they have everything. Make sure they're bundled with their home and auto. Right. Or who knows? It might end up being in a situation where you sell an additional policy you have to deal because you're going through coverages and just demonstrating value that way. Yep. So um, I think times like these, where our customers are calling, or when we're calling our customers with, hey, I know your your rates going to go up here. Here's why. Um, it does do a coverage. You can make sure you're in the best place. Um, that's where we demonstrate our value. Yeah, you definitely demonstrate your value for certain with you know good clientele, right? I mean. Everybody wants that good client, one that's got you know a, a good track record of paying their bills, yep. um, has a decent investment portfolio, and um, overall doesn't abuse their you know their their insurance privileges, right? Um, so it's up to you as an agent, as a trusted advisor, I guess, to coach your clients into being a better client. If they want the reward of seeing lower, you know, lower rates, then they need to act like that type of client, and they need to, you know, um, be realistic about their expectations. It's not that they're going to go anywhere else and get a different rate. They're just going to get a different product mm -hmm. overall, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So yeah, it might cost less, but it's a lot less quality of product. Could be, yeah, for sure. In most cases, it is. Yeah, that's what I've come to realize. I yeah. mean, it's, in most cases, it is a completely different product. Right. But price is the only factor. That's when right. price is the only factor, then the, then the product becomes less desirable, yep. either in limits or lower limits or less coverage or whatever you want. Or just less customer service with the agent, right? Sure. Or lack of agent or, or you know, any, any type of customer service whatsoever. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things, just being around um, a lot of agents here um, that I've noticed is the amount of education that goes on from an independent agent, right? Um, I, you know, personally really don't know that or didn't know that much about insurance uh, before working here and just listening to conversations of our agents, um, you know, informing um, the clients on the other end of the line, not only about stuff that we've been talking about early on in, um, in this episode, but, um, you know, um, I lost my train of thought there. Um, <laughs> you don't know much about insurance yeah, until, you, until you grew up yeah. and became a, a big boy and worked here. Yeah, but they, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, but they, you know, just just informing them of um, you know why you should or, or shouldn't file a claim or when or when you shouldn't, right? And you know, I think so many people are um, uh, trigger happy when it comes to wanting to use their insurance, but not realizing the ramifications. Um, you know what that means after they do um, sure. and, you know becoming a better client like Marcus said and um, you know educating themselves right like not many people not the the layman knows a ton of what happens um, behind the scenes with their insurance but if I think that they you know got some more knowledge then that might change a little bit right yeah I think that makes me think of deductibles so really what you said there yep. you know basically yeah. totally think about how deductible works and what the purpose of deductible is. It's I'll give you a great example. Yeah. There's a great spot to kind of jump in. Um, so, and my son, if he listens to this podcast, he'll probably want to, you know, he'll probably want to beat me up. But <laughs> so, my son recently got his 
driver's license and uh, you know he's 16 years old he had his permit and, and then he went and and got his actual license and he had a, a pickup truck and on the very first week he had his license he decided to remodel this girl's bumper in the parking lot of his high school and uh, I mean tore the whole thing completely off the vehicle it was parked in one of the parking spots and anyhow of course, the, the girl's mother was very nice, very, very polite about the whole thing, and, and we worked together to come to you know, a solution. I could have very easily filed a claim on my son's vehicle because it also sustained you know, damage. But I, I could have just told her, submit the whole claim to my insurance, right? But before I did that, we, we made an agreement I said, just give me 24 to 48 hours. Let me figure this out, and let's get some, you know, um, some damage assessment, and and figure out what this is going to cost to repair. And uh, so she went down to the body shop, had you know an estimate, you know, given to her to replace it. I think it came to a little over $1,600. Well, my deductible was a thousand dollars, I think. So. Maybe it was five hundred. I can't remember. It might have been five hundred. But either way, yeah. Um, I thought to myself, why on earth would I pay five hundred or thousand dollars for my deductible to repair a sixteen hundred dollar bumper, right. and put a claim on my record on a new driver. on a new brand driver. new driver, young driver is now all of a sudden going to have a claim, which means that if he gets another accident. We're going to have a major problem where we're going to have a hard time finding a carrier that will even cover us, right? So I just went ahead and paid out of pocket the $1,600 and made my son mow the lawn every day for the rest of his life, right? But yeah, that to me is the perfect example of what a good insured would do. Yeah. Otherwise, you've got that claim on the record, you're having to file all the paperwork and go through all the hassle with your client. And now all of a sudden your your loss rate or your uh, you know your loss ratios are going down in the toilet because yeah. you have clients like that that will abuse it. Furthermore, there's people out there that would abuse that claim and tack on more damages to that and commit fraud. Sure. Right. And yeah. that's the problem. That happens. That yeah. happens too. We try to limit that as much as possible as a carrier. And our claims guys are pretty good at recognizing right. those things. But but yeah, you're right. I mean, that's a you know you sh the shared responsibility of the insurance policy is also on the insured as well. Yes. This is a transfer of risk for major things. Uh, when I think of deductibles, I think a lot of, you know, we see, we have a forty, fifty thousand dollar car and we're rolling around with 250 collision deductibles or 500 hour collision deductibles. Um, my friend Jeff Grant gives this analogy and I, I, I gotta mention his name because he, he's the one who told me this so I, I can't take credit for it. But, Everyone has a smartphone, right? Most people have a smartphone, an iPhone or an Android mm -hmm. or whatever. Those are worth what six, seven, eight hundred bucks. Mm -hmm. You know, you're gonna buy them off the shelf, right? What are the deductibles on those things? Like two hundred? Yeah, right. One hundred eighty-two dollars deductible on a six hundred dollars cell phone, right? We're rolling around in a seventy thousand dollars pickup that's got a five hundred dollars collision mark. Yeah, let's, deductible on it. let's compare. It, does, it, does that make sense? I, yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Shoot, maybe we should have thousand or fifteen hundred or two thousand dollars deductibles on cars. You know, what I mean, with the values they are. But that, that's just, I mean, not not that every customer can swallow that, but you know. But to your point, though, you could you could easily have a fifteen hundred dollars deductible on your auto insurance policy, right? 
in I, I want to say that my deductible was a thousand dollars, and that's why I came to the conclusion that we would never do that. And even at five hundred dollars, I'm not sure that I would even right. justify it. Not not for the risk of the claim. Not not to have that on on his record so soon as a young driver. Well, you have to do the math for long term. What right? What is, but it's a frame of mind. It's a frame. Might have went up fifteen hundred bucks a year. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. you know. You have to, it's a frame of mind. It's the it's the client's frame of mind. I mean, what type of client are you marketing to? Are you marketing to the type of client that doesn't share that same frame of mind as you do, the same value in that policy, or are they just looking at it to use it whenever possible, yeah. right? And unfortunately, there are a lot of people out there that look at it that way, and they say, I want a very low deductible so that I can use it in the event that I do have something happen. Yeah. And likewise, your rate will probably go up because you have a low deductible. Yeah, it'll be reflected in that. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I think one, you know, one of the things we can, one of the value adds easily for an agent is rather than a price discussion, well, let's talk about your insurance needs. Let's talk about you know what your financial situation looks like. Right. Maybe it's time to increase your deductible from 500 to 1500 Maybe that makes sense. Being a, being a good advocate to your client. Yeah trusted advisor, you know, giving good advice. That's what your job is, right? Coaching them into being a good client. Um, I know we've got way off topic, and I apologize, <laughs> but these are fun. really passionate things that, yeah. that you know, I get to talk about all the time with agents because I want to help coach agents into being better agents yeah. so that they can help their clients be better clients so they can be more profitable agents. Yeah. That, that's the idea. Well, they're all, these are all factors that go into some of these trends, right? Like, it's not one major thing. It's a bunch of stuff that's happening. And I talked about it earlier. It's just economics, right? And what, what's happening in our country and our world, right? Like, stuff that's happening halfway around the world has an effect on some of the stuff that we're talking about, right? These interest rates and, um, you know, different manufactured costs and right. um, just, you know, social trends and all that stuff. Like, all the it all enters into it and, um, you know, everybody sees a lot of the positives with, you know, growing economy and all that stuff. Well, at the end of the day, we have to kind of pay for it too, right? It's just kind of all, everything's entwined and intertwined. And, uh, um, you know, people get so upset when they see a, um, a rate increase, but I mean, you know, like we've talked about, everybody's affected and we're all doing it to ourselves. So it's, it's not like, right. you know, the big bad insurance company is coming down and just magi magically increasing the rates. Putting tons of more money in their pocket. Right. Yeah. yeah like, Going to take you know, over the world, world it's all, domination. It's right? all, well, I think insurance companies already own the world. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Um, I do have that. a question for, for Josh, though, on, on this topic. So, you know, we're talking about what's driving the trends. So how I, I, I'm under the assumption, and I hate to assume, so correct me if I'm wrong, okay. but I'm under the assumption that let's say, for instance, what happens in Texas affects the entire nation as far as rate is concerned. So for instance, like all the flooding that happened in Texas or Louisiana during the hurricanes and all the cars, vehicles that were damaged and all those claims, right? Mm -hmm. does, does that adversely affect the rest of the nation when it comes to rate or is it more regional can you kind of compartmentalize it for i can only speak to what travelers does but um, right the way we do it at travelers is that each product line auto home and, and the other product lines they all stand on their own and every state stands on its own okay so, so you know in idaho you know where we're sitting today 
what are the lost trends in Idaho? And more specifically, what are the lost trends in certain zip codes? Um, okay. And so, so is that why when you call up to get a quote, they ask you what zip code you live in? Yeah, well, or if, like if you move across town, all right? So let's say you live in, in Portland, Oregon, and you move from the northern side of Portland to more the southern side of Portland, and that zip code that you move to in the southern side of Portland has a higher loss trend. Your rates go up by right. 13 14%. You're like, why? I just moved three miles down the road, and all of a sudden I'm in a different zip code, and my rates went up. Why did my rates go up? Well, insurance carriers and companies understand what the loss trends are on certain zip codes or certain areas of town, right? right. So we're getting pretty granular as far as like where we need rate and why. So, so in other words, as a, as a client in Idaho, I don't necessarily um, fit into the entire scope of the nation's trends. No, no, no. I, I'm, only, I'm only taking the rate that Idaho clients would take because of the Idaho risks. Very much so, yeah, yeah. very much so, yeah. So in, just as, a, as an example, Idaho is one of the lowest insurance costs states in the country. I mean, right. In the bottom five or six, you know, mm -hmm. in the country as far mm -hmm. as what the premiums per, per policy are. Adversely, you know, in Texas, we have quite a bit of premium per policy in Texas. Right. Because well, there's a lot of weather that happens there. We got hail and wind and hurricanes and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Right? So, uh, the, you know, the, the premium that's collected per policy there is much higher because the risk is much higher there. So, yeah, I think to your point, it, no, something that happens in Texas does not affect Idaho and, and, and vice versa. That's good to know. I, I, I'm glad that, you know, you corrected me because I was kind of always under the assumption when you're looking at combined ratio, right, that you would kind of have to take into consideration everything that's happened to that company as, as a whole. Yeah, I think the combined ratio drives, you know, the okay, what's going on in the marketplace and then what's going on in each market as a, as each a result market. of that. Granularly, yeah. So for instance, here's, a, here's a, just a, some insight, you know, in one market, we may take 19 points of rate in a certain market because that's what the rate indication was based right. on what the loss trends are. In another market, we may take four or five points of rate. Sure. Uh, again, that's just because of that market, that's what the loss trends were. So, so yeah, it's very compartmentalized and, and as more data, is available and technology is, is available, we're getting even more granular these days than we were ever had. Which you past. should be. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's fair. Yeah. Right. I think yeah. that's one of the advantages of travelers too over some of, some of the other carriers is that we have a lot of data <laughs> and we analyze that data very, very well. So yeah, that's one thing I can say about travelers and the big scope of things and I think Zach would agree is that whenever we're talking about your product in general, it's you're staying a lot more relevant from the technology perspective than most carriers, yeah. right? And I don't want to say all carriers, but all, the majority of carriers, right? There are a few out there that are also following suit, but the industry as a whole is kind of lagging behind oftentimes, and I think it has a lot to do with the heavy baggage that it carries along with it. You know, you can't just up and change your platform overnight. There's just yeah. too much baggage behind. You know, it's, it's just too... It's too cumbersome. Well, you talked about making investments, right? And more on a, you know, bond level and, and market level. Um, but you know, I think we left out making investments in your, your own company too, right? Like a lot of that money that's not used uh, for losses goes into things like technology with a company like Travelers, which in the end is going to save people a lot of money, right? The more data you can use, the more, um, the more accurate you're going to get. And, um, you know, the, the more it's just going to benefit clients out there, right? So, um, you know, it's it's not easy, it's not expensive, it takes a lot of time, but um, you know, staying on top of that curve that Marcus was talking about, I think, 
really does benefit you guys probably in a lot more ways than one. Yeah, we're certainly making larger investments in, in updating our technology and updating our coin platform and our product yeah. platform. So yeah, so the user experience is, yeah. is, is always been, you know, top notch. And I think as an agent, I would be more apt to write more business with a company like Travelers than any other company because overall my experience would be more pleasant. Mm -hmm. And you know, looking at it from a profitability perspective, the more time I spend on trying to you know write policies, the less product you know less profitable I am. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I want to spend less time. I want to be more efficient. I want to have a lot more data at my fingertips, like Zach was saying. Right. I want to have um, all that opportunity to sell more policies at my all that data right there yeah, yeah. to be able to write a policy quickly yeah underwrite it quickly get it through the process quickly that's all important stuff for sure yeah. i think that's why it surprises me so much to you know hear about how so many insurance companies are behind the eight ball when it comes to being you know even near the curve in terms of technology right mm -hmm. um and it's like you guys should be the ones leading this charge. Yeah, it's because we're, we're, uh, we're getting disrupted by a lot of uh, technology companies that are entering the insurance business, which is a little bit scary, right? So we're keeping an eye on those things. And, and how do we take some of that market share back? And so Travelers is thinking about those things. And we're trying to make investments in, in towards that. And the, the way customers shop nowadays is was way different than when they shopped, you know, how they shopped ten years ago, even five years ago. So trying to stay ahead of those curves, making some investments there too, like you mentioned. So, um, but there's, it's interesting that the world is changing around us quickly. The insurance industry has always been a little slow to react to some of that technology change. So um, we'd like to think that Travelers is is catching up, but we're still far behind too, and we're trying to catch up too. But. Uh, but uh, it's, it's a scary world when you have companies like Lemonade coming in from, that's a New York company. Yeah. They, <laughs> they don't even, they, their insurance basically follows the person um, and they'll write standalone, you know, personal property policies for a few bucks on a bicycle and that's, that's you get the policy in five minutes. They settle claims over the phone and over Skype and they use facial recognition software to, to see if you're lying or not about the claim. So, I mean, so, so that's some of the technology. <laughs> there, uh, yeah, I remember reading um, an article after they uh, uh, paid off their first claim and I think they said it, you know, the whole process took a total of like three seconds and I was like, that's cool, but yeah, how many factor? Fraud? Yeah, yeah. How many factors are going into that, and how accurate is everything? And yeah, like I you said, the, the it, fraud. Yeah, just it, can't. Imagine. The fact that it's happening is scary enough, but that's what's disrupting our business. So, our, so you know, we, we clearly have some ground to make up in the technology space. So, we need so to think about that. from an independent agent's perspective, how are you coaching these guys and, and gals? Um, to, to combat some of that stuff. Like I, I know a lot of you know independent agents are a little worried that insurance agents aren't going to be around in the near future, right? Yeah, and I disagree with that. I, I, I completely think that insurance agents are relevant, um, especially as people acquire more wealth or uh, acquire more assets. I think insurance agents are extremely important in the process, and uh, especially at claim time when there's when the customer realizes they don't have an advocate. And their only advocate's an attorney. <laughs> uh, that's not a great feeling, not a great process. So I think that uh, the insurance agents will be a part of the process long term, um, especially for clients that have that's the assets for sure. But uh, one of the things we're coaching to is you got to have an online presence. 
you got to have some digital presence. And then I think the third piece is you need to lean on your carriers to help you with that online presence. And I think historically agents have, have been afraid to let go of some of that piece of it. You know, when I, what I mean by that is what's wrong with a carrier going and servicing that auto policy, making the auto change, you know, update the address, change the mortgagee on the mortgage insurance, whatever it might be, right? So um, I think that you know, insurance agents can lean on carriers more for technology and can lean on the management system a little bit better. Um, one of the other pieces is that most agents have as agency management system. They have no idea how to operate it. <laughs> right? It becomes a data entry platform and that's it. They don't get any reports out of it. They don't utilize it the way it can be utilized. Um, and they're not integrating with that with that with their online presence. And so I think all of those things matter. It's a, it's a it's kind of a, a lot of little pieces that have to work together. Um, but we're coaching agents to to utilize more technology in their agency and invest in that. If you're not investing in that right now, then you are already way behind. So that's kind of a wake up call. I agree. Um, I totally agree. Uh, and and I and I think that on the topic of will agents be relevant and needed, right? Absolutely. But it also falls on your shoulders as an agent how relevant do you make yourself right i mean if if i'm doing business and i want to build my own um demand right mm -hmm. then i want to take on the type of clientele that sees the value in having a relationship with an agent that's number one number two is like you said without the value it's only about price right and so what am i giving my client as value to have that relationship well there's a lot of things that you can do and obviously that's not the topic of today but there's a ton that you can be doing in your agency yeah. to add more value yeah. to that relationship but big picture is um, if you take the approach and you get on that that wagon that a lot of agents are on now this talking about trends right I hear this a lot well the markets being commoditized right mm -hmm. and all these carriers are selling directly to the client and they're giving better rates and how am I supposed to compete against that well if you just throw your hands in the air and you take the same old approach which is woes me and suck on your thumb you're doomed mm -hmm. you might as well jump right on that cart and ride it because mm -hmm. it's going down a no dead-end street right but if you take the approach of saying, I won't let that happen, I'm going to continue to stay relevant, I'm going to continue to do what it is that I've always done to continue to build relationships with my clients and um, stay strong in that model, then you'll attract the same type of people that like that, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's just the overall facts. And you see it in all markets. It's not just insurance. I mean, think about the Walmarts of the world, right? How many mom-and-pop department stores folded up shop and left town because Walmart showed up in town and they, did, they didn't bother to bend. They just stayed true to their roots, right, and said, I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to continue to stay the course um, and stick it out. They are still there today. Mm -hmm. Ace Hardware is a perfect example, right? Thriftway Lumber around here is another great example. There's a Home Depot right around every corner nowadays. Mm -hmm. But why on earth is Ace Hardware still around? Why on earth is Thriftway Lumber still around? Because those people, when you walk in there, they're the type of environment you walk in and you see the people that are buying from them 
enjoy that type of experience. They know the clerks, they have a relationship with them, they've been buying with them for years, and they're willing to pay a little bit more for that product, for that overall experience. Yeah. So make yourself relevant. Yeah, and I think you, you hit the nail on the head there. The, the business model needs to change. You know, needs you need to realize that the, the, if you change your business model, you can't just do the same old thing. You gotta change your business model to react to the marketplace. And I right. think that, you know, we see a lot of local small grocery stores coming back a little bit in some of these small communities or other communities because people want that organic produce or they want a, a certain type of experience. That's right. And I think that's a that's a big part of it. What's the customer experience feel like? And, um, if you focus your agency on customer experience, the best possible customer experience, you're going to have to invest in some technology. Uh, you're going to have to have a relevant website. You're going to be mobile friendly. You're going to have to have some service capabilities sure. on your website. You're going to have to have some of those things to compete in that space, but it's comes all the way back to customer experience and relationship, and I think you get the nail on the head with that. Well, it's like a vegetable stand, right? I mean, why on earth would you stop at the local vegetable stand when you can buy fresh produce at Walmart? Oh, because the quality's better. <laughs> the quality's the better and the overall experience, 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 right? Absolutely. <clears throat> I mean, uh, they just popped up a new vegetable stand down the road, and we're now buying all of our produce there as long as they have it there, right? And then we'll buy it from them. The reason why is because the guy who runs the place literally walks out, starts talking to you while you're looking at his produce, mm -hmm. and is willing to take a peach off the shelf, slice it open, and let you sample it before you buy it. You, when was the last time somebody in Walmart walked up to you with a pocket knife and said, here, take a sample of this peach and then decide to buy it? Well, I, well I hope nobody in Walmart's walking up to me with a right. pocket knife. <laughs> <laughs> you get my point, right? I mean... Yeah might be beating a dead horse here, but I think it's super important for people to understand you can't just throw in the towel and just let the world gobble you up. You're right, you have to stay relevant, you have to change your model a little bit to the times and not just stick your head in the sand like an ostrich and pretend that the lion's not gonna eat you. Right. It's going to, eventually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but if you're not changing, if you're not developing, if you're not you know, investing in those things, then you're gonna get ran over. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, wake up call. For, for independent agents and for agents in general. Yeah, and maybe even changing a little bit of your, your structure, right? I mean, I, I give agents a lot of advice to kind of start tackling a little more commercial, mm -hmm. you know, getting a little bit more of a of a uh, dynamic book that's got some, you yeah, know. Well-balanced book. Well-balanced book, yeah. Lines. That's important too. I think we can probably do more work these days with less people too. I think historically it took a lot of people to run an insurance agency. Yep. Nowadays with the technology we have, with the management systems we have, with the carrier's capability to do some servicing work for you, you can probably get away with less people um, as long as you're making those investments in the technology side of things. Right, like you brought, up, you brought up the point of the, the, the carrier doing some of the service work for right. you, right? A lot, of, a lot of agents don't understand that Travelers is willing to offer you that type of thing. And it's, you know, quite frankly, it doesn't cost that much. Right. It's a very low cost um, opportunity and uh, you know, if you're the type of agent that just wants to focus more on sales and doesn't necessarily want to focus on servicing, then that opportunity is is out there, and it's it's a good one. I mean, yeah. grab a hold of it and just focus your efforts on revenue generating activities. Absolutely, that's that's that was totally going to say that. I mean, as an agent, your time is limited, and you can't be in all places at, at all times. Yep. So you got you have to focus, especially if you have bodies in the agency. The bodies in the agency need to be focused on revenue generating activities. And if the more you can unload or offload some of those non-revenue generating activities, 
the more profitable you're going to be over time and the more successful yeah. you're going to be over time. Especially if you can partner with people who are really good at what they do. So for instance, you take the servicing model that Travelers offers, just bear with me for a second and just think <laughs> about this for one second. Are your, hand, are your clients better off in the hands of a skilled, trained Travelers technician or you? who's busy writing policies for 10 other carriers too. In my humble opinion, I think that your client is probably better off in the hands of a skilled traveler's technician Sure. that take that policy. I also know for a fact that that carrier is very incentivized to cross-sell that policy sure. every time they have an opportunity. Right. Where you might be so busy that you avoid that opportunity because you're too busy in the minutia of your business to really focus on the revenue generating activities. And as I understand it, your model for the servicing side is they get to participate in the cross sales as well and you help them grow their book. Yeah, absolutely. So if I, one of our people, one of our ISRs gets a call and it's a monoline auto and, and your agency has chosen the, that option within, the, within our, our service center, they'll offer the home policy. Right. Um, and the, one of the first questions is, is your home policy with the agency? So that if, if it is, then, then we know that it's with another carrier for probably a good reason, so we won't pursue any further. But to your point, if there's an opportunity that we round the policy for you, the agent gets the policy and the commission, by the way. Right. So, yeah. Win-win. Yeah, huge yeah, huge win. Huge win, in my opinion. And I think that um, the customer experience should be really good, um, you know, overall, my guess would be that that technician can operate within the interface of the of the technology that Travelers has way more efficiently than yeah. I can as an agent yeah. because I'm too busy trying to figure out. Now, uh, last week I was in that uh, Safeco, you know, platform, and this is how this worked, and how do I get you over here? And before you know it, your client is frustrated because you don't quite understand. Or you've you know wasted you're 45 minutes of your time when it could have taken Absolutely. Like four or five minutes at Mad, Mad Max. Right? Absolutely. And it's how much customer. can I get done in an hour? Yeah, exactly. It's a better customer experience, too. We, we do notice that there's, a, there's an improvement in retention when we have when we service the policy for the agency. And I think it's part of that is because we're open and we're available 24-7. That's part of it. I mean, yep. the insurance agency closes at 5 o'clock on Friday. We don't. Right. So uh, that's part of it, too. The customers can get service there. Uh, on their terms, and it helps a little bit with retention, I think, in that piece. Um, so, yeah, all the way around, it's a good program. Um, Might not be for everybody, but I think it's sure. for a lot of people. Sure. Uh, it's nice to have. It's, yeah. it's a really good opportunity to, to have kind of as an a la carte option. If that's what you want to do, mm -hmm. it's there. I think it's especially valuable for agents getting started or just getting going, or a smaller agency that hasn't doesn't have a bunch of horsepower behind them as far as revenue is concerned to be able to absorb the cost of hiring a CSR. Well, I would argue that once you get to a half a million in premium or better, um, those policies start to mature to a couple years old. All of a sudden, the service work starts to become overwhelming. Exactly. And now, how do you grow? Exactly. You spend, uh, you spend all your time servicing your clients. How do you grow? How do I get to a million? Yeah. How do I get to a one and a half million? You got to hire somebody, and that's yeah. going to take a way bigger cut of your very expensive uh, than it would be to hire. The, the carrier. Yeah. So. Talking about trends, I mean, it costs more and more to, to hire help right. these days than it did, you know, ten years ago. Absolutely.
Well, we're a little off topic, but I think it's all relevant to yeah. <laughs> to the auto insurance market and what's going on. And so hopefully uh, you guys got a little bit out of that. And uh, if you uh, have more questions around statistical data or whatever else, then I'd be happy to share more. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks again for stopping by, Josh. Um, we, uh, we look forward to talking with you next week. I think we're going to talk about the Travelers app, right? Yeah, I think we're talking a little bit more about our technology, Travelers app, yeah, and uh, mytravelers.com, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So make sure you guys tune in for that. Um, thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for joining us this week on the Great Independent Podcast. Check back every Tuesday for more information to help you, the independent insurance agent, start and run a successful agency.